Hi everyone, welcome to the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. I'm Gunjan Sa, and joining me today we have Roshan Kariyappa. And this is our 50th edition of the Roundup that we're doing. Roshan, this is a great milestone, but I think that's not the only highlight for the day. Uh, a very happy birthday to you as well. How does it feel? Hey, thank you so milestone? much. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, 50 Roundups. I mean, that's insane, man. That's almost a year of doing these Roundups, and. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, uh, Gunjan, and thank you so much uh, to you guys as well for keeping us uh, company. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been great. It's my pleasure. I'm sure you have big plans set for the day. No, dude. I mean, it's just family stuff. <laughs> I mean, which which is great, of course. I mean, you know, you can't take anything for granted. You know, I mean, given everything that's happened uh, over the last couple right. of years. So, so yeah. I mean, uh, thanks, thanks so much. Welcome. Uh, all right. So we have a lot of interesting things to discuss in this week's roundups, right? Uh, the government. recently uh, published revisions to their frame subsidies startup ecosystem as always has been you know breaking new records karnataka is leading the charge for you know setting up india as a fintech a global fintech hub and of course there's no signs of slowdown in the investor sentiments in the country but before we, uh, let's start off with the frame uh, revisions that the government has proposed right now for those who are not too aware of the frame subsidy this was a policy which the government had implemented to you know lower the price of electric two wheelers as the you know the number of vehicles that were entering the market were rapidly increasing so in 2019 they had introduced the fame two scheme which laid down eligibility criteria such as minimum range of 80 kilometers and a minimum top speed of 40 kmph and also accordingly they were uh, you know uh, the government was providing subsidies to the manufacturers now the revisions to the government's fame 2 which is the same stance of faster adoption and manufacturing of electric vehicles in india they have result, uh, resulted in a drastically increased subsidy of electric two wheelers that meet the scheme's criteria now according to the new amendment the subsidy increases by 50% to rupees 15000 per kilowatt hour and the maximum subsidy is capped at 40% of the vehicle cost now just to put this in perspective if if someone was to go buy an ather 450x you know today in the market it would cost them rupees 14500 less as a result of the revision now that's no small amount right i mean for a scooter that costs let's say 80000 rupees uh, almost a 15000 rupees uh, uh, discount on that that's massive right and uh, this will give a major boost in making evs more affordable in a country uh, such as india Right, more middle class people will be able to get an EV right now. What do you think of this? No, for sure. I mean, I think the cost of uh, EVs are going to come down, right? And also, this is one of the key uh, key things that we have uh, to you know combat oil imports and stuff like that, right? I mean, just last week we saw that India was planning to sell about five million barrels of, barrels of oil from our stockpiles, which is basically one day's consumption, really, uh, and that's not going to have too much of an impact. And I think we did that just to be pally with the US, right? But you know policy like this on the ev front is what will really make a difference uh, you know and uh, the government has shown uh, a serious intent on this i mean we've heard uh, for instance the union minister nitin gadkari talk about the ev revolution saying that you know uh, the cost of ev will come down to the the petrol diesel counterparts in um, as little as 2 years in fact i mean when we spoke to vivekananda of uh, bounce he said it will be even sooner Uh, and they have launched bounce infinity right where they're offering these swappable batteries which means that you don't end up paying for the battery outright uh, and rather pay in a subscription format so all of this put together i think you know you're going to reduce uh, the cost of ev 
Also, the infrastructure is coming up. You know, I mean, we have the government has said that they're setting up around 600 EV charging points across all the highways by 2023. And uh, Tata Power, for instance, has uh, said that it's already installed about 1,000 stations, and they have a, a target of achieving around 10,000 uh, uh, station mark. Right. So, all of this put together, I think it's going to be fairly revolutionary from an EV perspective. And you know, we have spoken about this earlier. These changes, you know, until they become reality they always seem a little distance uh, away from us in the future right uh, and uh, i have my bet on ev i'll stick my neck out and say within the next 5 years we will have more ev vehicles at least in the city than your conventional vehicles because yeah it's it's just an inflection point in terms of cost and accessibility and infrastructure and i think we are very soon going to bridge that uh, inflection point so also don't you think since this will be like the first iteration of ev vehicles that will be coming out on the road people will be a bit skeptical to you know shift from uh, gasoline engines to electric vehicles in in within 5 years yeah i mean see there's always skepticism when anything new is in the market right we've seen this with cng for instance or uh, everything else but i think enough people are getting on board with this right and uh, pretty soon i think the cost and the efficiency will be too hard to ignore for people uh, so i think there will be an adoption curve i'm not expecting 100% of them to immediately shift within the next one or two years but i feel in the next 5 to 10 years i mean that change will happen i mean you will see evs become mainstream right all right so another record breaking uh, week for the indian startup ecosystem uh privately held startups have raised 31.2 billion dollars which is nearly three times of 2020's 11.2 billion dollars funds and uh, more than double the previous record of 13.1 billion dollars in 2019 the number of deals however has increased in a less significant way from 877 deals in 2019 to 930 in 2021 now this is uh, data from venture intelligence but um, you know considering the disparity between the number of deals that has happened and the total funding this this shows how much the check sizes have increased over the months in 2021 there has been 40 unicorns from india so far compared to 26 unicorns in the entire decade prior 30 billion dollar mark was crossed when uh, fantasy sports firm dream sports raised 840 million from falconage capital dst global and others valuing it at over 8 billion dollars but we'll be talking more about this in detail later in the round up but you know there has been a lot of skepticism regarding this uh, the funding boom has resulted in aggressive valuations for unproven business models and investors are just jostling to fa- fund ideas that which even they don't fully understand or have analyzed right and this has created some sort of a bubble and uh, some of these companies or valuations you know may or may not sustain which may trigger a broader bleak sentiment So do you think we are seeing another bubble burst we had the dot com bubble we had the financial crisis of 2008 you think are we heading somewhere there so i'll leave the bubble predictions to the economists and the journalists right i mean i think they're best suited to uh, make these kind of statements but uh, look i have, i've always said you know capital is going to have its downsides obviously some companies will be overvalued obviously there will be some over overly optimistic uh, things being done but overall i mean if you look at it it's a net and the the still if you look at it the amount of vc money that's coming into india is just a fraction of the total amount of vc money that's being spent in the world right uh, considering that we are the second or third largest ecosystem in the world as well so i feel that uh, this is not a cause for concern in any way right and uh, good that growth capital is coming in right because 
see that is something that we seriously lacked uh, you know we used to have 100 200 million dollar exits earlier about 5 10 years back but right now we're seeing funding rounds of 100 million or so right i mean which is phenomenal which means that you know multi billion dollar businesses potential ipos and potential generational decadal businesses are going to be built on the weight of this uh, capital right and you know literally every round up we cover different sectors and every sector whether it's healthcare or insurance or finance or whatever it is has so much of headroom to play right which is also being factored in you know i mean okay you can be you can say that you know people are overly optimistic but it will settle at a healthy median you know it won't go to zero for sure so yeah i mean the macro factors have certainly influenced you know the the, the dollar printing that we are seeing and plus you know the sort of a global inflationary environment all of that i mean sure it will influence uh, the amount of money that you know comes into the country right for sure uh but even aside i think we're on steady ground in terms of like fundamentals of some of the startups right i mean i think we definitely have problems mega mega problems that are worth solving for startups so so yeah i mean i'm i'm i always uh, remain optimistic about this you know and i'm most optimistic because when i talk to the entrepreneurs of today and you know i've spoken to what 140 entrepreneurs uh, at least on the podcast over the last uh, you know year and a half or so these folks are so mature you know i mean they're not picking an idea they're picking a market and they have precedence in terms of how to build teams what metrics to chase when to take funding and all of those things which you know people 5 or 10 years back were extremely naive about so i'm super bullish about this and uh, we will we'll, we'll wait and see what happens you know but also i think um, the entire market is also matured right from the first generation of founders that we had seen in the country the other ones uh, like so called flipkart mafia as we had discussed in a previous round yeah. right so i think that's a good point yeah that's a good point see the thing is that a lot of second order effects have taken place right so which is that flipkart made a bunch of these people rich enough to start angel investing or start their own companies and a bunch of other companies will do the same right and these people will again come into the market and there'll be a lot more innovation and now i mean startups even as an asset have become mainstream you've seen a lot of family offices a lot of pe funds starting to invest in startups as well so so overall i think this is definitely a net positive i would say so even the government has been really you know both from the center and the state level they have been pushing for a lot of innovation in the startup space right most recently the karnataka digital economy mission is set has set up a fintech task force which will be led by harshil mathur the founder and ceo of uh, razorpay the task group will work towards creating a roadmap for the growth of the industry <clears throat> will be identifying the opportunities and challenges faced by the fintech ecosystem in the state and leverage the partnering institutions and governments to solve them the task group also includes timanna uh, goda of watchloan nitin sampath of cred Nitin Kamath of Zerodha, Ravish Narech of Khata Book, Harsh Jain of Grow, and Johnson Tellis, an advisory council member of KDEM. Now, Fiki and BCG estimates that the country's fintech sector is all set to attain a valuation of 150 to 160 billion dollars by 2025. And of course, uh, Bangalore has the highest density of fintech companies in the country. Now, you know, we have been joking that uh, every company, in some form or the other, has been a fintech company, right? you think um and it's and it's great to see that governments are taking such initiatives we had uh, spoken what telangana is doing we had spoken about what andhra pradesh was doing and now when karnataka is following suit so i think this is a, these are great signs of what's lying ahead for sure i think it's uh, excellent that governments are being proactive and working with the industry you know for long uh, 
uh, whenever the governments used to look at certain sectors, people would get scared, right? Because <laughs> governments meant regulation, and regulation is usually like seen as a as a blocker to progress and innovation, right? So one could argue that IT in the '90s grew despite grew because you know nobody was really looking, right? Uh, and imagine if there was a bunch of policy regulations by babus and so on. I mean, who knows what would have happened? Uh, and here we're seeing a complete 180 where the government is trying to encourage this uh, innovation, right? Karnataka government had earlier also appointed, uh, you know, uh, one of the top investors in the ecosystem, Mr. Prashant Prakash of Axel, uh, as an advisor to the chief minister on strategy and planning, right? So, so the intent has been pretty consistent on that front. So this is uh, this is definitely exciting, you know, and given the base of talent that we have in Bangalore and Karnataka. Uh, and given the number of startups that we have, I think it's uh, amazing that you know the government is taking this kind of a stance. No, I couldn't agree more. And I think such push is also required, right? I mean, without government support, without the infrastructure support, yeah. I don't think we would have seen scale at this level. No, and also I think this also adds to that part about uh, competitive federalism in some sense, right? Which is that let the states compete for stuff like this, you know. Uh, this is way more uh, healthy and interesting to compete on, you know, whether it's like IT or uh, and stuff, right? It'll, it'll definitely be a net positive for the country uh, if uh, states start doing this. Right. All right. So in other news, um, Kunal Shah, the founder of Cred, has acquired a non-banking finance company named Parfait Finance and Investment through an entity he has personally floated named NewTap Technologies Private Limited. Now, this is part of Cred's wider fintech play as they uh, foray out into lending. RBI has already approved the acquisition, but um, within all the, since its uh, starting days, Cred has built an amazing, you know, uh, a lending book. They have a loan book of rupees two thousand crore as of August with NPA ratio of less than one percent. It is already offering loans to approved users, but that is for partnership with IDFC First Bank. In August, Cred had also launched Cred Mint to enable users to onlend to other Cred customers following a tie-up with Liqui Loans, an RBI-registered P2B non-banking lender. And you know, this was really surprising for me. Almost 25 to 30 percent of all credit card bill payments in India are happening through Cred, and there are more than 2,000 commerce brands that are set up in its stores. But you know, twenty-five to thirty percent of all credit card payments in India are happening on the platform. I mean, that's massive, right? Yeah, I mean, there are not a lot of credit cards in India to begin with, but yeah, twenty-five percent of that is uh, is definitely a significant number. Look, uh, you know, people dump on Cred's uh, business model or the lack of one, uh, you know, and and they keep saying these things. But I feel that you know, and I've said this before that we're at the stage zero of credit evolution, right? I think stage zero was building a community of these. Uh, high net worth individuals or relatively high net worth individuals uh, with you know good credit scores and so on and i think the stage 2 stage 3 is what we're going to be see- seeing right now which is you know providing a wide bunch of financial services they've already, they've already launched this p2p lending uh, which is has become a pretty big thing right i mean it's become a pretty big hit uh, in in some sense so uh, they will keep stacking these services and for to that end i mean they will require all the banking licenses and they need to be compliant and uh, they need to be, uh, uh, what do you say? They need to be, they need to have the regulation and everything in place right, to start acting like a bank. So that is what you will start uh, seeing with many, many of the fintechs, not just cred, right? We uh, spoke about Bharat Pay and PMC. I mean, similar things will start happening. I think, uh, I think a couple of the banks are also 
pending to be privatized in this winter session i think couple of national banks if i'm not mistaken who knows maybe i mean one of these folks will probably acquire um, a, a large bank and uh, you know you will see a hybrid mix of um, you know all of the technology type of services uh, uh, as a front end to uh, you know a legacy banking institution right definitely interesting times ahead and uh, yeah let's let's see what happens yeah i mean um... Look at what companies like Jupiter, companies like Slice. You know, look at what these companies are doing. Right? They're partnering with, you know, I think uh, smaller banks like RBL Bank, South Indian Bank, and stuff. And they're bringing their uh, services to the customer using their tech platform, right? Which is very simple to use. Yeah. They're gathering the data. But see, what happens when you partner? What happens when you partner is your margin gets cut, right? So that is uh, that's a concern. So which is why I mean, most of these folks are also interested in buying out some of these NBFCs. get these uh, lending licenses and so on so they have a wider spread on the margins yeah and given you know how credit starved india is any of these things are a net positive so yeah on that note i mean i myself downloaded this uh, uni pay one third uh, card uh, yeah. last week i mean i'm yet to use it but it definitely seems interesting all right so um, bloom ventures had announced on wednesday that it has raised 105 million dollars in the first uh, close of its fourth round which is less than 2 years after finalizing its previous round the 11 year old firm which is one of the largest indian venture funds said that it expects its new fund to balloon to close to 200 million dollars by march next year which is when it hopes to close the final round with the new round the investment firm will continue to focus on backing early stage startups in their pre seed and pre series a rounds Now, some of the notable portfolio companies include online learning platform an academy fintech company slice hyperlocal delivery service danzo edtech class plus and uh, used cars marketplace finny and insurtech turtlement among its portfolio startups now that's a stellar lineup right i mean we have been covering all of these companies on the round up on a regular basis but also indian startups are raising record amounts of capital uh, sequoia capital tiger global falcon edge and softbank has increased the pace of their investments in india in recent quarters as a double down on finding winners in one of the fastest growing growth markets so with this sentiment and with this pace do you think 2022 will break all the records that we're setting in 2021 yeah for sure we saw prime venture partners also raise a, a a fund right and who else was it i think was it stellaris i think stellaris also raised a fund right so, yeah yeah so good man i mean all these are like uh, folks who have been in the ecosystem for 10 15 years the bloom gang is the is the og for sure you know they've been around for a while and look at that portfolio of startups right uh, everything from an academy to spinny to uh, they they also have a bunch of saas startups i mean they invested in exotel way back in the day i think probably a 3 or 4 million uh, series a that they did um, right and they backed the startup all through there's one podcast of uh, karthik reddy of uh, bloom ventures with uh, jivraj on the indian silicon valley podcast that i encourage everyone to check out it's a fantastic episode right where karthik talks about how they built the fund out itself and what are some of the differentiators they bring on the table see one of the things is that you know we keep saying capital gets commoditized and sure i mean to an extent it's true but you know it's all the other stuff around the capital right the institutional knowledge that the vcs have built up connections and the help that they can offer in terms of really scaling the business all of that right i mean that really comes to the fore and that's what is important and uh, you know bloom bloom ventures certainly has a lot uh, in that sense right so kudos to the team and uh, you know wishing them all the best for the future all right so next dream sports 11 has raised uh, funding of 840 million dollars 
at a valuation of $8 billion. New and existing investors led the round, including Falcon Edge, DST Global, D1 Capital, Tiger Global, and Redbird Capital. TPG and Footpath Ventures also participated in the round. Now, the company has diversified its offerings in recent years to not only cover sports, but all the technology products and services that come along with it. Recently committed $50 million to in-house sports content and commerce platform called FanCode in a broader push to become the one-stop destination for sports. DreamSports also introduced payment solutions through DreamPay, launched an accelerator called DreamX, and operates DreamSetGo, a sports experiential company. Harsh Jain, who is a co-founder and CEO, also said that the company will focus on creating a thriving sports ecosystem that goes beyond fantasy gaming. Now, we have seen the rise of fantasy sports in India, right? Thanks to IPL, ISL, and all the various tournaments that have been taking place. And dream sports themselves have seen tremendous scale in the past two years. What do you, what do you make of this? Yeah, it's amazing, you know, 840 million. Wow, that's uh, Close to a lot of dollars. cash, right? I mean, seriously. Imagine, I mean, if you were to fit all of this in trucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah it's pretty crazy man and uh we've spoken about mpl dream 11 and so on and gaming is a hard business you know and within that i think to uh, be able to really succeed it takes a lot of uh, trial and error and you know I, I think dream 11 at this point of time functions as a studio if i'm not mistaken right i mean they they have creators on their platform and uh, also they become so much more than just gaming itself uh, with sports merchandise and everything to sponsor ipl as well so there's a lot of regulatory problems on this front right i mean i think uh, recently we saw karnataka government or the police i think that had um, it taken filed an fir Correct. Yeah, an affair and so on, right? So there's a bit of concern on that front. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I hope at least that the government comes out and clarifies these things. But apart from that, I mean, if you've seen the, you know, what Jio has done for mobile internet in India, right? 600 million uh, internet users going to around 900 by 2025. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, the amount of uh, internet that we're consuming on a per month basis, the highest in the world, the cheapest uh, data costs, all that put together, you know, education, internet, I mean, education, gaming, insights, all of these things will become front and center. And man, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of money at stake, right? Uh, because of the numbers itself. So, so yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see this. Right. On that, uh, the ban which Karnataka uh, police had uh, filed for, uh, I think the high court has passed an extended stay on that order. So I think that gives enough time for, you know, these sporting companies to actually come out with a plan or, you know, figure out some alternate solutions as to like how to proceed forward. Yeah, I guess they'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Some of the other noticeable deals from last week include uh, the ones by No Broker and Go Quick House. No Broker had raised $210 million in a funding round led by General Atlantic, Tiger Global Management and more strategic ventures. The capital raising was at a post-money valuation of $1.01 billion, making No Broker India's first property tech unicorn uh, startup in the country. No Broker's latest valuation is a 2.5x jump from last year when it had raised $30 million at a valuation of $400 million. Go Quickhouse is an e-commerce enablement firm and they raised a Series A funding of rupees, 15, uh, of rupees 112 crores or $15 million and this was led by Sequoia Capital. The round also saw participation from existing investors, Matrix Partners India, and RTP Global. 
the new investment will be primarily used for doubling the size of the product and tech teams and hiring best in class talent and subject matter experts to enable the development of innovative products to increase conversion rates and uh, yeah i think um, i i know personally i've been using no broker in the society and go quick has i mean roshan any any uh, word from your side on either of these no man i mean uh, i haven't really had a chance to uh, you know look at it uh, no broker i know i mean way back when uh, they got into real trouble with all of the real estate uncles uh, in bangalore right i mean there was uh, there was a lot of uh, chaos at their offices and everything it's it's good to see that they've thrived uh, despite all of that e-commerce enablement seems interesting so yeah hi right. so very interesting tweet um vembus put out right the tweet states chennai experienced massive floods in 2015 and then totally ran out of groundwater four years later venture capital operates the same way right now there is a massive flood of vc uh, hitting india but small pools of long term capital are like ponds and lakes we vitally need them i think i should let this sink in for a while right <laughs> no that's an that's an amazing analogy that's an amazing analogy i think look i think there will be patient capital man i mean i think uh, vc vc firms also right i mean if you look at how sequoia for instance has restructured their uh, holding entity and stuff right i mean uh, uh, people do realize that you know they the typical vc model of selling uh, or exiting in 8 years doesn't really work right now i think uh, if you have a winner i think people double down way beyond ipo itself right uh, if you look at ipos that happened in the us over you know in 2020 and uh, so on um a lot of the large firms that exited i mean would have made plenty more if they had held on right uh, you can argue that okay the market cycle is favorable and that's why we are seeing these and so on but i also think that some of these new technology innovations like ev and so on right i mean these are going to create multi multi billion dollar businesses uh, uh, markets itself that we haven't really factored yet i mean it's impossible to say how big they will become at this point of time right look at cloud for instance um you know none of them would have said that cloud would be so big and today you know even like a niche market in cloud is worth a you know few tens or if not uh, hundreds of uh, billions of dollars so so yeah I, i think i think people do realize the need to get patient uh, but yeah vembusser's point is well taken that you know there's a lot of optimism there's a lot of uh, capital right now and uh, you know we may not always see this kind of a uh, situation uh, going forward in the future and entrepreneurs have to be mindful of the fact that they have to build uh, for sustainability and they have to build for uh, the long haul all right let's talk about some of the conversations that you have lined up for the next week right you'll be speaking with raghunandan of zolf and alok goel of stellaris venture partners right uh, anything that you have planned out for the for them we've uh, spoken plenty about open banking and uh, fintech and neo banks and so on right and uh, i think zolve is zolve is an, a very interesting fintech company and i'm certainly interested to talk to raghunandan he's an experienced person about how they're executing so that will be an interesting co- uh, conversation uh, alok is an old time vc uh, stellaris has been around for as i mentioned around 10 plus years i suppose and uh, he has seen the ecosystem evolve uh, in that time again it should be an interesting conversation i've not spoken to uh, i mean we've not had an investor on the podcast in a long time i would say uh, maybe 30 40 episodes back um, i think the last one was adit of uh, gemba right so so it will be interesting to uh, talk to alok and uh, yeah if you guys have any questions uh, 
do shoot them on our uh, social channels we happy to pick it up all right so i think with that we come to the end of our 50th uh, startup operators weekly roundup folks thank you so much for joining us and for constantly um, sharing your support with us your feedback and everything which helps us you know improve every episode that we put out i don't think we would have achieved this milestone without your support so thanks so much um do check out our whatsapp uh, group where we have regular discussions and share amazing insights from every episode that we put out uh, you can find the find the uh, subscription link which is for free on the description of this video as well as the episode on your favorite podcast platform also don't forget to check us out on linkedin and twitter our social handles are the startup operator on linkedin and at operator startup on twitter and yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to catching up with you again next sunday thanks everyone thanks roshan thanks guys see you everyone